I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is our Globalist show, Globalists in Plain Sight. And today we have our editor-in-chief, Todd Wood, with us. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Christine. Great idea to talk about politics coming up in 24. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, and it, this is this is different, but uh, we need to talk about the WHO, what's going on in Gaza, what's going on in Russia, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on or planned to be going on in, in the Pacific and everything else. Um, the, the one thing that you know we have observed and reported on, Todd, is the fact that there are international issues, there are federal issues that seep down into the local more so today than they have been in past elections. And going into sure. 2024, we have, you know, different types of rules. We Nobody's going to debate Biden. He's basically, the DNC has said, you know, we're not going to have a conversation. Uh, Trump isn't on the stage. It's not to his advantage being on the stage. The New York Times reported this morning that Trump is leading in five of the battle um, battlefield states. So, but we have to have these conversations. So what's your take on the implications of, let's start with Ukraine, because you've been reporting on that for, for years. Well, it's interesting to me that it's completely off the radar screen now that the Israeli conflict has started. And um, so we're trying to dig in and find out exactly what's happening in country. What we're hearing is that the Zelensky regime is essentially collapsing from a, any kind of moral authority point of view. And so the, the, the only thing keeping them alive is the money from the U.S. So then you talk about the House, you know, speaker's race and how that played out and then what's going to happen with aid and whether it will be tied to the southern border or not. I mean, that becomes a deciding factor for Zelensky. So uh, Speaker Johnson really has a lot of power right now, and it looks like he may start to exercise it because, you know, the House controls the purse strings. And as you know, the one of the things that they want to do is keep the money laundering carousel going and, and everything else that's happening in Ukraine. So I think it's uh, fascinating to see how just quickly it disappeared. Well, it was interesting because last week when the House did vote on the, the quote unquote, the war package, and this was the mm -hmm. uh, the request by the Biden administration for, you know, $100 billion and 60%, 60% of that was supposed to go to Ukraine. And the House came up and said, no, we'll give the $14 billion to 
uh, Israel and we're going to put some in the South, but we're not going to give the money to Ukraine. Do you think that that's going to hold? Because the Senate has come back and basically said, you know, we're not going to go along with this. Well, I mean, they can not go along with it, but, you know, I don't know if they have a choice. So the question is, how strong is Mike Johnson and how strong is his support? And uh, will they essentially get to him in some way? I, you know, I don't know. He seems like he doesn't have any baggage, you know, as far as blackmail or anything like that. But who knows what they'll put in front of him as a carrot to try to get this through? Because the one thing they really want is this money coming to Ukraine. I mean, that's really obvious. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's strong enough or not. We will see for sure. And we'll know very soon as to whether or not he allows you know, this to be bifurcated away from the border or he holds true. And he's also talking about impeaching Biden very quickly and subpoenaing them into the into the house. So we'll see. I don't know yet. Do you think that there's any truth to the story that's coming out of Ukraine that, that um, they're losing the war? I mean, there was a report that came mm-hmm. out that were one of the top guys there said, you know, this isn't going the way that Zelensky is selling it to the world. What, what's your take on that? Uh, A lot of people have died, a lot. The average age of the Ukrainian soldier now is 43. In Vietnam, in the U.S., it was 18. So that tells you they've wiped out most of their fighting age force. A lot of them have left. Hundreds of thousands have been killed and wounded. And so they are at a really coming to the end of their rope, especially if the U.S. and Europe, you know, Slovakia just stopped any kind of aid. Other states are talking like that. Um, the war itself, I think it's a stalemate, as the Ukrainian general said today or yesterday, and Zelensky came after him today for saying it. But it's true. I mean, the, there was no real offensive, counteroffensive. It, it was mercilessly, mercilessly bad for the Ukrainians. I mean, they lost a lot of people, a lot of equipment. It wasn't planned well. They, this, you know, I've been watching this, and anybody knows has a some knowledge of the military. You see piecemeal things being put in there. Okay, we're going to send a few tanks. We're going to send this. We're, we're going to send a few F-16s. That means nothing. It's just, it's going to be attrited away. And that, that is what has happened. Uh, there's no organized um, thought through process to win whatever that looks like in Ukraine. It's more just to keep the war going and going and going and going. That's was my impression. What's yours? Well, the one thing that I, I've always said is that the amount of money that we've sent to Ukraine, I mean, there's mm-hmm. no accountability for it. I mean, it's over yeah. a billion dollars and, and no, there, there's no accountant in the room. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, you know, I worry, I, I worry that, that people are going to, do people connect the dots between the amount of money that we send to Ukraine, the amount of money that we're going to give to Indochina, the amount of money that we, you know, we gave to Israel and to Gaza, you know, if you didn't have these wars, we wouldn't be doling out the money. And, and the question comes yeah. in, is, is this really worth it? Um, and when you start having people, or it's reported, people on the inside, even in Gaza today, there's one of the Hamas in Gaza has come out and said that the the execution of the plan to go into Israel on October 7th did not include the murdering and killing of children and women and civilians. They were supposed mm-hmm. to take the soldiers. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the and, and they're blaming that on the leadership in Hamas that are sitting in the hotels in Qatar mm-hmm. and in Turkey. So, and it's a mess. I mean, the mm-hmm. Erdogan is now broken ties with Netanyahu and they've always had a roller coaster of a relationship, but that's come out over the weekend. And that is the um, King Abdullah from Jordan mm-hmm. had recalled his uh, ambassador home and then we have South American countries doing the same. We've got pro-Palestinian demonstrations at the White House. I mean, this is this is a colossal nightmare. 
I, but I don't know if it's going to resonate with people, you know, in the ballot boxes in 2024. Mm-hmm. It seems to be, you know, only a three centuries away from now until then. But it certainly it has ignited a conversation of no, you know, from the river to the sea for Palestine mm-hmm. and the elimination of Israel, the anti-Semitism that has surfaced. I mean, I'm surprised by that. Mm-hmm. I really am surprised by the the, the level of anti-Semitism that's out there, especially. In, I mean, did you see the pictures coming out of Berlin? The, yes. The I mean, that's astounding to me in Germany. So um, I don't. I think I think war is the answer. <laughs> that's what that's what they want. I, I think war is what they are pushing. I, I think this was all planned in Israel. I don't think there's any way that this was allowed, not allowed to happen. I mean, you've seen a lot of conflicts. You've recovered a lot of wars. What, how do you see this differently? Is it, or is there is there any difference? I mean, from you know, say the Vietnam situation with the you know the the start of that war and the Gulf War, et cetera. Well, I, I was too young for the Vietnam War, but I can tell you that in the, that, that I have a I, what I'm seeing surfacing that's similar to what what happened in the Balkans is when we got over to the Balkans, everybody was talking about 1389. I literally had to mm-hmm. call London and say, "Somebody go to a bookstore and get me a bunch of books about the history of what happened in 1389 when the Ottoman Empire took over." The Balkan Peninsula, mm-hmm. and now what I'm what I'm seeing is you know people going back a hundred years or a thousand years in terms mm-hmm. of describing Palestine. You know, it's a real estate deal that's 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 just erupted forever. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that really settles anything when mm-hmm. you go backwards because no one's going to win those arguments. It's always going to be a dispute. And I'm and going forward, I think you need to have really adults in the room. And I'm not really I'm not seeing them except for one. Uh, when I saw that the chief prosecutor of the ICC showed up at the Rafa uh, Southern Border Gate last weekend, mm-hmm. and he said, "I'm in. We're objective. I'm investigating everybody, everything that happened inside Israel, and everything that's happening inside Gaza. And this is about the kids. And let's get the aid in there." And he says, "You know, we have to have a ceasefire because we have to get a grip on this thing before it completely." implodes and it will i mean i think at some point it will we we know what um you know his the hebollah leader said the other day and that was in lebanon and it was all on the big screens and everything like that but i mean it's a warning mm-hmm. is he going to escalate it is he mm-hmm. going to keep it just simmering at the border we don't know but at some point either the adults get in the room and say hey we're going to we're not we're going to lock this room until you guys negotiate this or they're going to explode. And I don't know where that goes. I mean, we, we see the meetings with Putin. Putin now is, is going to do something in Libya. He's not going to, you know, he's not laying a bomb in Libya, but he's going to try to use that as a foothold for, for Europe. And I don't know where this goes. And I'm not certain anybody wants it to end. That's the problem. That's what mm-hmm. we saw last year. We mm-hmm. When, when uh, Putin was on the phone, you were in Ukraine, you were in mm-hmm. Kiev. And mm-hmm. Putin was on the phone with heads of state in Europe. And they all reported they didn't want to come out publicly and say it until the Finnish prime minister came out publicly and said it on the record. But Putin wanted to have a conversation with President Biden, and it never mm-hmm. has happened. So if you don't have people at the negotiating table, it, it's going to it will continue. And that's yeah. that's the difference right now. We have had people from Kissinger saying that Zelensky probably needs to compromise. 
Um, but we're not seeing anybody wanting to compromise. We're not seeing Bibi wanting to compromise. We're not seeing, you know, Zelensky wanting to compromise. And we're and all of a sudden we're going to keep on giving money. And what is, you know, will that penetrate the American voters? I don't know. Well, the uh, you mentioned that we're talking about the election and that is going to be the main topic on this year because Americans better get used to the fact that, you know, they're sons and daughters are going to be involved in this and they already are. Uh, and it's going to get much more extensive really quick. And so that is the issue. Are we going to let this conflict another forever war in the middle East keep going, or are we going to try to find a way to stop it? I mean, they're, they're, you know, like with Ukraine, there was a settlement that they all agreed on in 2016 in Minsk right. and Minsk and it wasn't implemented. Uh, you know, Ukraine didn't implement it and Russia didn't implement it. And then, and so, uh, and then Russia was asking for security guarantees. I'm not, you know, supporting Putin, but you know, th there, there was a deal to be made, I guess is my point. And nobody wanted the deal. So that's what has to be. I think Ukraine is probably on its way out. Um, I, I, it's amazing to me, see the shift of the narrative from one to the other. It's kind of like the next, next thing, right? It was the, it was the COVID, it was the mask, it was the vaccines. Then it was Ukraine. Now it's Hamas and Israel. And so the attention is completely focused. The whole, you know, Mockingbird Media has moved over and, and now is focusing on that and not Ukraine, which is amazing to me. I mean, where are all the, where's the Wall Street Journal in Ukraine? Where, why aren't they talking about the war? Why aren't there pictures of hospitals? And you know, from what I'm hearing, the hospitals are overflowing like crazy. I mean, they're they're building a 500,000 man cemetery you know, right outside of Kiev. I mean, that, that is, I mean, they're, they're pulling mental mental patients out of the hospitals, guys with one arm and sending them to the front lines to do certain things. So they're, it's really bad over there and uh, we're not hearing anything about it. I think that's criminal, first of all, but it shows the, the power of the messaging that this has shifted over. But now, thankfully, there are other groups like us that are coming out and asking all these questions and digging. And uh, I think the truth will get out, but this is the issue for 2024 is do you want your son and daughter in the Middle East, even in, you know, Biden is floating a peacekeeping role for U.S. troops. I mean, everybody knows that's not going to be that's going to be a shooting gallery in Gaza. So right. we don't want our kids over there. Well, let, let's talk about the, the third element of the, mm -hmm. of the war, and that's Indo-Pacific. We, we, we know through our sources that in Guam, <clears throat> they are going to move 35,000 U.S. Marines starting in January of 2024. Um, so they're beefing that up. We know that uh, President Biden asked in his war package of $100 billion that he wanted some money for, quote unquote, Indo-Pacific, which is, you know, translated, that is for Taiwan mm -hmm. and the Chinese, whatever, whatever, you know, the status of that is because they're playing, they, you know, they play tag in the air with the planes and then, they, you know, they report on what's going on in the ships. But I mean, do you see, do you see that growing? Oh, sure. I, I think a lot of this is to keep the attention off of that. I don't think there's any question, you know, that the Bidens are not completely working for America. They, they have other uh, entanglements that they are, um, you know, basically providing favors for others. And one of those may be to keep the eye off the Pacific so that, you know, China can continue to grow there. I mean, but Xi is having major problems in China. That's the other mm -hmm. thing nobody is talking about. I mean, he, he is firing people, you know purging people left and right. His economy is a shambles. He's having to throw money that he doesn't have at it. He had to go to the central bank recently to, you know, ensure what he wants to happen is happening. So he is very vulnerable right now. Um, the people 
are uh, they're losing their you know mandate from heaven or whatever. So uh, because the economy is not doing well and everybody knows it, and Chinese are desperately trying to get their money out of China. I mean that's the only saving grace to me for the U.S. dollar if we can get our act together eventually and get it back under control. But is that nobody wants their money controlled by the Chinese Communist Party? So um, Asia is a tinderbox as well. You mentioned the Balkans. That's another one. That's right. Really low. Well, let's go to a break and come back and pick this up on the other side, Todd. Okay. It's going to be a good day. Monday, we do have a little bit left available here. Check us out, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks. Have a good day. All right, so let's pick up where we left off. You, you, you mentioned the Balkans, Todd. Mm -hmm. let's, let's tell people what's going on in the Balkans. It's historically, I mean, they call uh, breaking a region apart balkanized for a reason um, because mm -hmm. the Balkans are a region that is on the edge of the Christendom and the Ottoman Empire. And the conflict that has raged there is still raging today. And there's a real problem in the you know, Christian Balkans and Serbia that are really angry at the Islamic uh, encroachment in the South and vice versa. So, and I, I see, you know, the Soros organization and the State Department are really involved with South, the Albanian socialist government and they're pushing agendas in that region, which is causing conflict. So I just see that as a, a tinderbox that could blow because really what we're talking about is the crusades all over again, right, Christine? I mean, you're having Christian, Christian versus Muslim conflict and, and it's everywhere. So, you know, there's a reason they're going after Christians everywhere, right? I mean, there's a reason they killed Iraqi Christians. There's a reason they killed Syrian Christians. And so that is something we need to face and deal with it. Do you, do you think that um, do you think that that resonates with Americans though? I, I always think to myself when I you know go overseas and spend an extended period of time and come back, I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm living in a country where people do not connect the dots in terms of sure. the foreign policy and the economy back home. I, I, it may be changing though. You know, we have a paper in Connecticut, ConnecticutSentinel.com, and we have been astounded at the uh, the change in a lot of these papers along like or, or towns along the uh, Long Island Sound in Connecticut, especially the more you get towards New York, have a lot of, you know, Jewish residents and uh, they're heavily involved in the pol political system in the towns. Um, and they are shocked at what is going on. And mm. literally you're having posts saying, what? The Democratic Party is supporting Hamas. Mm. And so you're having uh a real, I literally saw a post from the Jewish, I think it was called the Jewish Voice in Westport recently that said, maybe it's time for us to, you know, rethink our blind allegiance to the Democratic Party and, and vote elsewhere. So that is a big, big change in this region of the world. And, and the, it's happening vice versa. You, you have mentioned that a lot of the, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, some of the indoctrinated college kids and elsewhere are saying, you know, I'm not going to vote for Biden if he's supporting Israel. So maybe 
people are waking up to what's happening internationally? Well, you know, what I, I think is kind of interesting is that when we reported on Black Lives Matter and then we reported on some of these other demonstrations, it's almost like some of the people that are in that group don't really understand the issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter was one thing if you're supporting, you know, you don't want people to be killed, you know, intentionally or not intentionally by cops. OK, that was mm-hmm. the Floyd reaction. But then we had an infiltration of people that were left over from the 1960s who have been looking for a revolution ever since then and trying to take over the Black Lives Matter from a Marxist point of view. And the three founders of the Black Lives Matters, in fact, were trained Marxists and they admitted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, $13 million or whatever the figure was went missing, was put into real estate for, for fine mm-hmm. homes. But it, it's it, it's it's almost like the the... the Education is now social activism, and it depends on who gets their grips on these kids. And yeah. then they go out there, but they don't really understand the history or the context of what was going on. I mean, Hamas, Hamas leadership, they, they are screwing around with the people you know, at the bottom the same way that the Palestinian, the PLO, took a lot of money. I mean, you know, the, people are suffering in, in Palestine. We know that. We, yeah. That's a fact, all right? It's an economy that has never really grown. You've got, you know, what is it, 65% of the kids are 25 years of age and younger, okay? So you've got a lot of kids. You don't have hospitals. You have to go outside of Gaza to go to Israel to get really, really acute uh, medical needs met. But it's not the people there. It's, it's the leadership that have screwed over these people financially for years, and nobody's accepting responsibility for that. And we, as a government, have given to yeah. money for Gaza that these guys that are heading up the Hamas group and all these other groups, supposedly taking care of the people of Palestine, and they, just, they take the money and they run. Yeah, they build weapons. And so I see this as both sides, both populations are getting abused. I, it's entirely true what you said. I mean, you know, there's video out there right now of Palestinian women saying they won't let us leave. They mm-hmm. shoot us if we leave. So they're keeping the human shields there. And then in Israel, I mean, I don't think, you know, I, fi- I fault the Biden regime for giving so much support to Israel already without even knowing why this happened. I mean, nobody's asking the question. Well, they said that they said that from the start when they, there was the press conference with mm-hmm. Bibi and the two generals and Gallant and God said that, you know, we are united. We're a united front. You know, no one's going to break us open. And that was a, that was a message that resonated with people because Gantz mm-hmm. was very critical of Bibi over the judicial mm-hmm. reform. And it was very public. And he came out and said, you know, the country's being fractured over this. So now it's standing, but they all agreed that they're not going. They're going to do an investigation, but not until they win the war and or eliminate Hamas. Well, that, 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 that's their narrative, and perfectly fine for them to say that. But that doesn't have to be ours. I mean, to me, this was started on purpose. So we need to know why it was done. I mean, there's plenty of video out there of IDF soldiers or former IDF saying there's no way this happened without them knowing it was coming. There's a rabbit walking along the fence would trigger an alert in the sector. The military was removed. They didn't respond for hours, like a long time, like six or eight hours. Mm-hmm. And they they allowed the tracks, truck trucks, the bulldozers to come blow holes in the fence. You know, no, secu- they allowed these girls up in the towers to get murdered. And uh, 
I just, that's not acceptable. So why do we need to be lockstep behind an effort that looks to be engineered and who engineered it? You know, you have all this stuff going on in Israel for months and a year, uh, you know, a division across the country. There is motivation to possibly do allow this to happen because now you have the war and all the eyes are off that. So I don't know who's behind this. But, you know, the military was part of the Israeli military was not going to do what they said they were going to do, uh, so, you know, fulfill their oath and perform their duties. Prior to this, they were talking about, you know, pilots weren't going to fly and mm-hmm. you know, Intel operators. I mean, to me, I think if we, you know, go down the rabbit hole on this, we'll find that there was an infiltration and somebody allowed this to happen. I can't point fingers because I don't know who. Do we, what do you think of Blinken's diplomacy so far? I mean, I, I'm giving him a, you know, a mi- minus F mm-hmm. because it just, I'm hearing from behind the scenes, that, you know, from sources inside Jordan and Egypt, that it's a disaster when he goes and he meets with King Abdullah and also Sisi in, in Egypt. Uh, I haven't been as much up on that as you have. You've written some good stuff at the, at CDM.press on that. You, your writing's been great over the last several weeks. So, um, I don't have as good a thumb on that, but you know, the Turkey thing bothers me. Mm. Uh, that's a problem it has been festering for years. It needs to be resolved. You know, is I, even NATO, what is NATO's goals at this point? I mean, we need adult leadership. There is none. It's on purpose. And that is what this election is about. You know, bringing some calm and, and order to the world in a, in an engineered chaos moment. I think to break everything down and then rebuild what they want in some kind of totalitarian society. But that's another discussion. Well, we do, we do know that Gavin Newsom was recently in China. He just returned to, to the to California. And um, now he's saying that he wants to do the credit scores in California. I, I, I mean, I, I, I sit back yeah. and I think to myself, why are these people, why do these people carry, you know, certain passports? Yeah. It's it, it, it'll be it's going to be very interesting. Um, what do you think about no debates? You know, the, I mean, they're they're not going to let Bobby debate uh, Biden. He's left the Democratic Party. Do you think that we're going to have general election debates? I mean, it seems to me. Well, I don't even know if we're going to have an election, but that's. <laughs> oh, don't I mean, say that. Don't say that. I mean, it, it's we need, uh, we need one for sure. I just don't know. I, I, you look at, you know, you can tell like there's a progression of something that's happening. So I don't know what the end game is. I think that, uh, you know, Bobby has a large percent of Democrat votes or alleged, you know, for the polls that might vote for him. And I think Biden owed him a debate. Trump, on the other hand, I I don't see any upside for him. Um, And in fact, I see a lot of a way for him to be taken down by debating. So I think it would have to be arranged if, if they offered him, okay, you get to pick who's going to be to monitor the debates, not get to pick, but get to negotiate and, and not just have Fox news come in and say, you know, Megan Kelly threw him under the bus last time. Her questions were, you know, prearranged and in not in his favor. So I think he's fearful of that. And, and what's the upside? He's at 50 something, 60% of the vote. Well, you know, I kept on thinking, you know, how smart this was for Trump not to be on the stage. And I think it is because I think that you would you could almost predict who's going to say what in terms Mm -hmm. of the insults and all of the lawsuits. And, you know, I think it would would in fact be Christie. 
and he would come out like a punching bag. And and Chris Christie is a good punching bag. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. He's he's a he's a metaphor not intended. That, that's right. He's a, <laughs> he's a former prosecutor though, and he's quick. You know, he's quick to, to pull the guns. You know, when he has to verbally. I mean, he he is mm-hmm. he is good. He's known for that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think it's very smart for Trump from a from his point of view not to be debating with these guys. But at some point, you know. The country right now does not want a Trump-Biden rerun, but that's where we're going. And no matter what anybody says, it, it looks as if that that's going to happen. And then whether or not Bobby raises to another threshold to be able to be on the stage is another conversation for another day because Bobby mm-hmm. first has to get on the ballots. And he hasn't. Yeah. I mean, that's that is and no labels is out there working arduously to get on the ballots, but we don't know who their team is. So, I mean, it's it's everything's, you know, it's up in the air. Before we go, Todd, real quickly, mm-hmm. let's talk about the WHO, though, because, mm-hmm. you know, they are the Biden administration is moving to to surrender our health sovereignty over to the WHO. And I am not seeing and I'm a little bit worried about this. I am not seeing no matter how much reporting we do. I'm not seeing that resonating in the American public. Most people tell me they're doing what? The Biden administration is, in fact, negotiating with other countries within the WHO to have them tell our people in Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, Missouri, and South Carolina what to do if Ebola breakout happens. You think you think between now and 2024, people are going to wake up to that? Uh, I don't know if enough will, but you know there are some. Tedros came out this week and said the next pandemic is coming and we have better ways to ensure compliance. I mean, you know, use your own imagination what he's talking about. So I think that may be the next shoe to drop after this war. I mean, they're that's after that we move it. on from from Hamas, guys, yeah. if something happens, we'll go to Indochina, yeah. then we'll go to WHO or the next. Quite go. possibly. I mean, they they have this progression set up. So that means that everybody needs to keep on reading us because we're going to keep on reporting what needs to be understood by the American public and also people overseas because it's all interwoven. And it is this maybe this is the new reset. Did you ever think about that? Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. This is the great reset. I mean, resetting society, destroying everything and then trying to rebuild it. But we're fighting it. Yeah, we are. Okay, Todd, let's, let's, let's sign off on that, on that note. Uh, and we'll be back next week, folks, with some more friends and uh, colleagues and talking about, you know, what is going on on the global stage, because we're all concerned. Thank you, Christine.